Shalom and good evening. Welcome to today, today's evening Bible study. We continue with our study on the book of Philippians and today we pick up from verse 19 all the way to verse 30 so that we finish up on chapter 1 of the book of Philippians. And before we do that, my name is Jeremiah Omungala. By the grace of God, an elder in Crisco City Church, I invite us for a short prayer before we go into the word of God. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your joy that is upon us this evening. Thank you for having seen us through the day of all the activities we had, King of Glory. You have remained faithful and you have given us the strength to be able, O oh God, to come this fucking of glory. It is your doing and it's marvelous in our sight. We submit ourselves into your able hands, King of glory, that you may take charge of every area of our lives and minister to us in a very special way. Grant us grace, grant us favor. Give us your spirit of knowledge and wisdom and understanding that as we go through this uh, study this evening, King of glory, we will be able to pick something that will lead us on king of glory in a very special way in the name of jesus christ have your way lead us O god and just give us understanding as we study your word this evening in jesus precious mighty and holy name we do pray and believe amen and amen and so today we pick up from uh verse 19 going all the way to verse 30 and uh, we had started by uh, having an overview of the book of Philippians and we saw the characteristics of the book of Philippians and among them we mentioned that it's the New Testament letter of joy and uh, then followed up with the next study where we from verse 1 all the way to verse 11 of chapter 1 where we saw Paul acknowledging his fellow co-workers, the people who had labored with him in the church in Philippi, and he recognizes them, and he uh, acknowledges them, and he encourages them. He finishes with a powerful prayer from verse 9 all the way to verse 11, and among the things he prays for is that their love may grow more and more. And then in the uh, following uh, study, we, too, we picked up from verse 12 all the way to verse 18. And um, we saw Paul being focused upon his mission, being focused upon his call, being focused upon his purpose. Despite being in prison, he did not lose focus of that which God had called him to do. If it were some of us or many of us, would have taken a sabbatical or a break and say now that I am uh, bound in a certain place, then I cannot continue with the work of ministry. But to Paul, it was different. It was a joy to do the work of ministry even where it seemed like he was bound. And so we want to pick up from verse 19, uh, going all the way to verse 30. And today we tackle or we'll touch on a subject that so many of us don't like uh, ministering to. But let us see how uh, Paul tackles this subject. So verse 19, the Bible says, 
for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Verse 22, but if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor, yet what I shall choose I cannot tell. Verse 23, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Verse 24, nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. Verse 26, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Verse 27, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God, and that from God, sorry, verse 29, for to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Verse 30, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. And so from verse 19 to 21, we see Paul, uh, we learn this was not Paul's, or rather from hindsight now, we learn this was not Paul's final imprisonment in Rome, though he was not aware of that. Thus, he addresses the church in Philippi in a way that he was ready for any eventuality. So Paul was prepared for anything. If it was death, let it come. If it was released from prison, let it come. Either way, Paul was preparing. And so he was awaiting trial and he knew that he would either be released or executed. However, he trusted Christ to work it out for his deliverance. Whether he lived or died, Paul wanted to honor Christ, his savior. As it turned out, he was released from prison, but arrested years later. And so verse 19, we can see Paul talks of, uh, if you look at the NIV and the New King James Version, the, he says, he talks of my deliverance. The King James Version talks of salvation. So this could either have referred to Paul's release from prison, if you look at verse 25, or as the verses following immediately, that is verse 20, 21, going all the way to 23, mm -hmm. as the verses following immediately could have meant deliverance brought to the believer by death. And this is the subject I'll touch on briefly, the issue of death, something that so many of us believers don't like talking about, fear mentioning, and even fear going to places where death is mentioned, or death is, as it was. So verse 20, we can see Paul uses the word ashamed. The circumstances of prison 
with all its attendant suffering and oppression, constituted a real temptation for Paul to abandon the gospel and his resolute service for Christ. So being in prison, as we are saying, was a real temptation for Paul to just forsake the work of ministry and the work of the gospel and his bold uh, uh, decision to serve Christ. And the same verse 20 continues, and Paul uses very strong words with sufficient courage. That's what the NIV says. And a New King James Version, the King James Version uses the word all boldness, basically meaning the same thing with sufficient courage and then all boldness. And all. And here we see Paul clearly displays a rare attribute, and that is boldness or courage. Whether his service for Christ continues or ends in death, he is not about to compromise anything. And I want to ask you, my dear brother, my dear sister, what do you do in the face of a harsh trial? For example, the traffic police have stopped you. They've looked, maybe you are driving and they've looked through your car. There's no mistake, but they are dilly-dallying. They are looking for ways of uh, maybe enticing you to, to, to get something out of you. How do you react in such a situation? You know very well you're not on the wrong, yet you don't want to look like you're defiant to the officers who have stopped you. Mm -hmm. Or you go to certain government offices and you'll find people who are supposed to be carrying out their duties. They are delaying the process. They are pushing you from one officer to the other simply because uh, they want something out of you. They want you to oil their hands before they can offer you that service. Mm? These are things we have faced in the lands office, in the immigration office. But what do you do in such situations? Here you are, you desperately need a job. You attend an interview and the interviewer tells you that yours is a routine process. They already have someone in place. Or they ask you to compromise your morals so that they uh, see if they can fix you in that job. Can we boldly stand and make our position known? Would I be proud to say that I am in prison because of the gospel? Would I declare boldly that I miss out on that opportunity because of the Lord Jesus Christ? Can we still count it all joy in all these situations? And so we see from verse 21 going all the way to verse 24, Christ was the source and secret of Paul's continual joy, even in prison. For Paul's life found it, found all its meaning in Christ. So to those who don't believe in God, life on earth is all there is. So it is natural for them to strive for this world's values, to follow after money, to pursue popularity, to pursue power, to pursue prestige, to pursue pleasure, etc., etc. For Paul, however, life meant developing eternal values and telling others about Christ who alone can help us see life from an eternal perspective. Paul's whole purpose in life was to speak out boldly for Christ with a deep desire to become more like him. Thus, he could confidently say that dying would even be better than living because in death, he would be spared from the troubles of the earth and see Christ face to face. 
if you read first john chapter 3 verse 2 to 3 it says first john chapter 3 verse 2 to 3 says beloved now we are children of god and it is it has not yet been revealed what we shall be but we know that when he is revealed we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is verse 3 and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure brethren if you are not ready to die then you are not ready to live once you are certain of your eternal destiny then you are free to serve devoting your life to what really counts without fear of dying verse 23 we see paul touches on a subject many a christian do not like to tackle and that is death he clearly teaches here that when believers die they are with christ once they are absent from this body he specifies that the gain brought by death is being with christ the gain brought by death paul says is being with christ and here paul looks at it and says either alternative is good for him to be present in the body or to be absent from the body but be with christ both of them would work for paul so to the christian death should never be a source of fear but hear me well but rejoicing and you ask how can we rejoice in death brethren that's the uniqueness of the christian because they know to be absent in this body is to be present with the lord jesus christ it's being delivered from the troubles of this life and being in a place of eternal peace this is a topic that the church needs to trust god and see how to go about it especially in these last days it is not something to be left for funerals only but a truth that touches on transition to a better place and it can be used in a positive way to prepare the church look at what paul says in second corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8 and i just read a portion of the scripture to be absent from the body is to be present with the lord second corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8 paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the lord and therefore being with christ after death must involve some conscious presence and fellowship we need to consciously understand and begin to digest this thing that being absent in the body have that conscious knowledge is being present in fellowship with christ and this will make us look at death differently first corinthians chapter 15 and verse 55 1 corinthians chapter 15 and verse 55 the bible uh, paul asks death where is your sting it did not scare paul he understood that christ has overcome this enemy and we have victory over death hallelujah we have victory over death and that's why you see from verse 27 going all the way to verse 30 paul begins to encourage the believers to fight side by side striving 
or contending for the faith. It is so sad that much time is lost in fighting one another in church instead of fighting the real opposition. It takes a courageous church to resist infighting and maintain a common purpose to serve Christ. And so Paul, after he finishes on the subject of death, when he talks of it is far better for him uh, to be with Christ, he desires to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. And he reminds the church, nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And you can see Paul is still considering or is still considerate of the needs of the church in Philippi. And so we once again see the selfless attitude of Paul. And once he has finished the issue concerning death, he goes back to the church and tells them, brethren, we need to fight side by side. We are on the same side. Let us not live like we are fighting one another, like we are strangers one to another. And I was so encouraged by the prayer meeting last night when our pastor Baraza led us in praying for unity in the body of Christ. And so here Paul is pushing for the same thing, that um, the church would be one, that they would contend for the faith, that they would not fight one another in church. Instead, they would come and realize who the real adversary is and fight that adversary. Therefore, as we've said, it takes a courageous church to resist infighting and maintain a common purpose to serve Christ. And verse 28, Paul warns the church in Philippi, and this we will tackle in deeper uh, or in larger detail in chapter 3. And he talks about the opposition or the adversaries. And allow me to mention the adversaries that are, uh, are mentioned here could be one, the Jews who oppose the Christian faith when Paul first visited Philippi. So we said at the beginning, by then they were not many in Philippi. However, they rose and tried to fight that which Paul was teaching to the Christians in Philippi. And um, uh, we can learn that the situation may have changed and perhaps they were more now by the time Paul was coming the second time into the city of Philippi. And they were causing bad feelings against the Christians. And so this, the first category of adversaries or the opposition that Paul is warning the Philippian church are the Jews who opposed the Christian faith. Number two, the second adversary, adversary sorry, that Paul mentions are the Gentiles. And this included some Roman officials whose attitude to the church was changing. They were just beginning to turn against the Christians. And so at a certain point, Rome really didn't have a problem with the Christians, but now they were beginning to develop negative attitudes towards the Christians, largely brought about by the uprisings that the Jewish people were bringing in the Roman uh, Empire. And then the third adversary that Paul is warning the church in Philippi against are the false teachers, and these false teachers were of two kinds. So category number three of the opposition or adversaries were the false teachers. And these false teachers we see were of two kinds. One, 
there were Jewish Christians who said that Gentiles must have Jewish circumcision first. And only then could they be counted as Christians. And this we will see in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 23. And then the second category of the false teachers were those who made God's grace an excuse for allowing all their physical desires to control them. And so this was a category of people who were very fleshly or carnal in the way they were serving God and they were fighting the truth that Paul was teaching to the church in Philippi. And this we see in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17 to 18. And so I'm saying those ones, we will deal with them as we get to chapter 3. And therefore, verse 28 is a sign of their destruction or perdition of those who opposed the gospel. The opponents or the adversaries will see that what they are doing is wrong. And why do we see this? Paul himself once thought that he was right to attack the Christians. But we all know he failed in his uh, venture. It was their faith in Jesus that made Christians strong, and Paul now understood that. And so in the face of opposition, in the face of challenges, in the face of um, trials, we need to understand that our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ will make us strong and enable us to stand. Verse 29, Paul talks of suffering and says, uh, and allow me to say, suffering in and of itself is not a privilege. But when we suffer because we faithfully represent Christ, we know that our message and example are having an effect and that God considers us worthy to represent him. Allow me to read that to us again. But when we suffer because we faithfully represent Christ, we know that our message and example are having an effect and that God considers us worthy to represent him. Acts chapter 5 and verse 41, the Bible says, So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Acts chapter 5 and verse 41. And so quickly, we see suffering has these additional benefits. Number one, it takes our eyes off earthly comforts. Number one, it takes our eyes off earthly comforts. Number two, it weeds out superficial believers. Number two, it weeds out superficial believers. Number three, it strengthens the faith of those who endure. Number three, it strengthens the faith of those who endure. Number four, it serves as an example to others who may follow us. Number four, it serves as an example to others who may follow us. Number five, we learn of its benefits from our Lord Jesus Christ. We learn of its benefits from our Lord Jesus Christ. And this we can draw from Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 8. The Bible says that Jesus learned obedience through the suffering that he went through. So beloved, suffering for our faith does not mean we have done something wrong. In fact, the opposite is true. 
it verifies that we have been faithful. Verse 30, we see throughout uh, his life, Paul suffered for spreading the good news. And therefore, like the Philippians, we are in conflict with anyone who could discredit the saving message of Jesus Christ. All true believers are in this fight together. And beloved of God, the times we are living in, so many things are happening that are trying to discredit the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. People are sitting and scheming against the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And brethren, these are the adversaries and the opposition that God would want us to deal with. And brethren, that brings me to the end of our Philippians chapter 1. And I pray that we will learn to find joy even when we go through suffering. And so I want us to take time and pray. And this day, this is a week of prayer, as we have said. Want to thank God for the church. Want to pray for a bold church. And this being the last day of the month of July, want to speak a blessing upon this last day and speak unto the doors of the month of August that we shall enter in the joy of the Lord, in the victory of the Lord, and we shall see his blessing upon us. And if time allows, at the end, just join me. Let's just spend a minute or so and let us worship the Lord together. Hallelujah. So from wherever you are, just want to invite you that know that whatever you're going through, let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Allow the Lord to minister to you and you will come out stronger in that situation. And so together, let's just believe as we pray and wherever you are, please join me. Lift up your voice. I will give us the points as we go. So I want to begin by thanking God for the church. If it were not for the church, we would, uh, the world would not be as it is. And this I say because wait until the church will be raptured. Then you will know the importance of the body of Christ in this universe. And as we pray for the church, thank God for our spiritual leaders. Thank God for your co-workers. Thank God for the saints that the joy of the Lord indeed will be their strength. Let's join in prayer this evening. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the body of Christ. We thank you for the church because, Lord, you have used the body of Christ as the salt of the earth, as the light of the earth. And through the church, you have preserved so many calamities from happening in this world, King of glory. It is for your glory that the church is still in the world today. And therefore, Lord, we commit the body of Jesus Christ, the church, into your able hands, King of glory. You are the one who said you will build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, King of glory. We are praying, Lord, that you shall preserve the church for the purposes for which you sent it to this world, King of glory, that the church, indeed, King of glory, will overcome all opposition, will overcome all the adversaries. And we declare tonight, let God arise and let all his enemies be scattered. Let all your foes, Lord Jesus, flee before you tonight 
in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for our spiritual leaders. We thank you, Lord, that this fire you have brought them. I pray the joy of the Lord shall be their strength. Whatever their challenge, whatever their opposition, whatever, oh God, the enemy has thrown against them. Tonight, King of glory, let the joy of the Lord be their strength, King of glory, as they please you, as they serve you. Lord, you shall do something in their lives and give them the victory. We thank you for our fellow workers in the Lord's vineyard. Lord, we pray the joy of the Lord shall be our strength in the name of Jesus. Every brother, every sister that is involved in serving you, King of glory, I speak the joy of the Lord upon them. In the name of Jesus, Lord, all the saints that have been calling upon your name, that have been serving you diligently, King of glory. Lord, there are those who might be hurting. There are those who might be suffering. I speak the joy of the Lord into their lives as they serve God. In the name of Jesus Christ, be the strength of their lives, their hope and their inspiration. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, we pray for a bold church. Pray for a bold church, brother. Pray for a bold church, sister, that, Lord, our God, we are going to raise a church in this season that is guided and stands by God's eternal values and not by simple things, O God, that do not have eternal value. We pray for a purpose-driven church, a church that is united, a church that will not be shaken by persecution in the name of Jesus, a church that will arise and be the voice of reason in this season, King of glory, in the name of Jesus, a church that will be able to influence the government in the fear of God, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. A church, a season like this requires, a church that is submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ, a church that is obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ, a church that is moving step by step as per the instructions of the Lord Jesus Christ, a bold church that will not be shaken by politicians, will not be shaken by political environments, will not be shaken, oh God, by threats and intimidation from the adversaries and the uh, those in opposition of the growth of the church, a church that will be bold enough, like your servant, the Apostle Paul, and be able to address issues as they are in the strength of the Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Just take time, brother, sister, speak victory into your life, and in whatever situation you're facing this evening, let's take time and speak a victory over your life. Lord, we thank you. Whatever seems dead, we speak life into it right now. Whatever seems lost, we speak restoration right now in the name of Jesus. We speak healing to every sickness. We speak healing to every disease. We speak healing of relationships. Lord, remove all bitterness. Remove all pain. Remove all hurt. Remove all disappointment that your children will be healed, King of glory, and they shall move, O God, in the ways of ministry that lord our god they shall remain focused they shall remain oh god with the purpose that of which oh god you call them into oh god that father and our god we shall not be lax oh god because of the situations we find ourselves in that might seem like a prison situation that might seem like we are chained or we are limited but father we shall rise oh god and use and utilize every opportunity to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We speak a blessing upon this last day of July. 
We declare that it is well and it will end well. We thank God for the entire month of July. And as the children of the bond woman are busy slaughtering them and doing their sacrifices, tonight we cancel all their evil plans. We denounce and cancel all the sacrifices that have been made today. We break every evil chant that has been uttered in the atmosphere. And we reverse every evil attack that they have released in the atmosphere. In the name of Jesus, we saturate the atmosphere with the blood of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, let the blood of Jesus speak over every situation in the name of Jesus Christ. And we are at the gate of August, the eighth month of this year. And the eighth, the number eight we know represents new beginnings. We command the, uh, the gates of August to obey the word of the Lord. Open up, O ye gates, and let the King of glory enter. We break all spiritual traps. We secure the gates of August. We command the joy of the Lord upon every single day of the month of August. We proclaim our victory. We proclaim our blessing. We unblock all manner of delays that are blocking our blessings in the name of Jesus. And we declare in August, let the Lord have his way. Let the Lord have his way in the name of Jesus Christ. We plead the blood of Jesus over every part of August. We seal all the days all the hours, all the minutes, all the weeks of the month of August with the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says you shall decree a thing and it shall be established. I give you that opportunity to decree a blessing upon the month of August, upon your life in the name of Jesus. We decree open jobs opening for jobs. We decree opening for businesses. We decree spiritual and divine surprises upon the children of God in the month of August. In the name of Jesus, we decree spiritual blessings upon the children of God in the month of August. In the name of Jesus Christ, we decree joy unspeakable in the lives of your children. In the name of Jesus, we decree victory over every plan of the enemy in the lives of your children. In the name of Jesus, rivers in the desert we shall seeking of glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, I decree financial blessings. I decree, oh God, academic blessings, King of glory. I decree, my Father, blessings in terms of health. I decree blessings in terms of producer. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, I speak promotions upon your children in the name of Jesus. I speak divine favor upon your children in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you and we bless you. And if you are there just before we do the closing prayer, won't you join me? Let's just lift our voices and let's just worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Lord, we honor you. We adore you. We worship you. We magnify your name. There is none like unto thee tonight, O God. The joy of the Lord is our strength. You have given us the victory and we proclaim your majesty. We proclaim the king is exalted. You rule and reign in power and strength and majesty. Nothing can withstand the spirit of the living God. We honor you. We adore you. We worship you. We magnify your holy name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Even as we face the weekend king of glory, we commit our lives into your able hands and we declare the first day of August, we are blessed. We are blessed this day and even in the first day of August, in the name of Jesus. 
I speak peace unto your children. I speak peace unto your people. I speak peace upon the cities where your children are listening to us this evening. I speak peace upon Nairobi. I speak peace upon Kenya in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you. We bless you. We honor you. We adore you. This we pray, trusting and believing in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen and amen. So God bless you. As you go through the weekend, let the joy of the Lord continue having its effect upon your life. We love you. We appreciate you. God bless you. Shalom.